I think one of the other reasons that people feel uncomfortable, and you mentioned earlier, it's unfamiliar, which is why it's uncomfortable. Right. Getting quiet enough to hear your own inner voice is because you will start to hear things that it's, and when we say inner voice, it's like your intuition or that voice that only you can hear because we're so used to hearing so many outside voices, especially now, Mm -hmm. social media, traditional media, family, friends, community, everybody's trying to tell you what they want you to think. We often hear people wishing us a long, happy, and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead, it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who made changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Thanks for joining today. I'm so excited about today's episode. I interviewed today Lori Seitz. She's the founder and CEO of Zen Rabbit and the host of the podcast, Fine is a Four-Letter Word. An award-winning writer, speaker, and broadcaster, Lori's on a mission to teach the world to be calm and grounded no matter what's going on. We talked about gratitude, meditation, her experience with taking a sabbatical, in order to rest and recharge and why more of us should be taking these sabbaticals. She talked about how she works with her clients to move from fine and barely surviving to a place of thriving and living lives of joy. We connected on so many levels and I'm so excited for you to learn more about her journey. Take a listen. Hi, Lori. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here and having this conversation. I'm so excited. I think that I'm so grateful for having a podcast for many reasons, but one of the reasons that I'm so grateful is because I get to have wonderful conversations, sometimes with people I know, often with people I don't know that well, and I always leave just feeling so energized and charged, so I am so excited for our conversation today. Yes, yes. I feel the same way about doing podcasts. It's just... It is. It's exactly energizing. You get to meet the coolest people and have the most interesting conversations. So yeah. Well, I would love for you to be able to share with my audience a little bit more about your background, your story, and you are the CEO of Zen Rabbit, but you also have your own podcast. And so I would love for you to just share a little bit more about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Thank you for that invitation. I started my first business in 2003. I was making a product called the Gratitude Cookie. And the company at that point was Zen Rabbit Baking Company. And because I have more than 30 years, is that right? Wow, that's a long, long time. <laughs> 30 years marketing background. It wasn't my goal to be the next Mrs. Fields. I created this product as a way for businesses to say thank you to their clients and people who sent them referrals. And so I ran that business for 11 years and couldn't quite scale it the way I wanted to. So I ended up shutting it down. But while I was running it, Gratitude Cookies, I was talking a lot about using the concepts of gratitude to differentiate your business and how all the goodness around the whole concept of gratitude. Once I shut that business down, I well, while I was running that business, I had to learn how to network how to walk into a room full of people I don't know 
and start a conversation because that was not a natural ability for me. Hmm. And so after I shut down the baking company, I started teaching networking strategies to what I was calling quiet people. Those who, <laughs> you know, might feel really uncomfortable and anxious about walking into that room. For that program, I created my first meditation, like wrote and recorded a meditation, five minutes to help people kind of just get grounded before walking into that room. And then, and then pandemic came along and no one was going to any networking events. So I had to pivot <laughs> again and go, all right, well now what am I going to do? And came back to this whole concept of gratitude and talking about gratitude and created more meditations and that kind of just evolved into the program that I have now, which is called Fuck Being Fine, <laughs> and, and helping people who have reached this point in their life where they're just like, I am not willing to live in fine anymore. Mm. Fine is not okay. Fine is surviving, yeah, but it's not thriving. And my soul needs more. Oh my gosh. I love so many of the things you said. First, I want to start with gratitude because I, like you, believe so firmly in the practice of gratitude. I've seen what it does in my life and in my client's life. And of course, there are many mindfulness studies tied to gratitude and what it does, leveraging brain scans, et cetera. But where did you get this idea of gratitude cookies and really, you know, selling them to a corporate company so that they could let people know that they are appreciated. Like, where did that idea come from? Was it from your own gratitude practice or, you know, what was the background? The cookies were actually based on a family recipe. And every time oh. I would make them around the holidays, people would say, oh my gosh, these are so good. You should sell these. It's like every wow. food entrepreneur's story. Yes. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So I had reached a point in my career my husband at the time and I had moved to South Florida. I wasn't finding a job in marketing. And so I was looking for, okay, well, what am I going to do? And that's when I came to this idea of, well, maybe I, maybe I really could sell these. And I was part of a peer strategy group. And it was right around the time that the, the movie, The Secret, had come out. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, they talk about a gratitude rock. And someone else in my peer strategy group said, you could call these gratitude cookies. Wow. And this is why, one of the reasons why it is so important as an entrepreneur to be around other entrepreneurs and to be part of a, a peer strategy type group, mm -hmm. because not all the best ideas come from your own head. <laughs> So true. Sometimes we're so close to the ideas and, and sometimes we just, we censor ourselves. Like we might have yeah. a great idea, but because we don't share it with others, we say, oh, I don't know. That doesn't seem like it, it's a thing. Amazing that you took this family recipe and then you were able to sell it. And then tell me a little bit more about the meditation and how you came to record meditations. Is that from your own practice or was that something that you also saw as a need or an opportunity in the marketplace? I actually learned how to meditate when I was 10 years old. My mom took my brother and me to a meditation course, mm. and it's now known as the Silva Method. Oh, yes. Yeah. Are you familiar? I am. I actually, through Mind Valley. So yeah. it's one of the, the offerings through Mind Valley. So I actually, I am doing the course currently. That's really interesting. Oh, wow. How yeah. cool. Yes. Yeah. So that's how Vishen was. Vishen Lakiani is the founder of Mind Valley. He was introduced yes. to meditation 
through the Silva method when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Amazing. Yeah. So I was introduced to it at this very young age. It was kind of a foundation, but I didn't practice it for the next 35 years. Mm-hmm. Like I knew it and I do it once in a while, but I was never consistent. And yeah. So I finally came back into a regular practice actually shortly after my mom passed away in 2014. Mm-hmm. And that's so I was having my own practice. And then I also have a background in broadcast. I actually was a broadcast major in college. So, but I, and I had some, when again, when I was living in South Florida and not having a marketing job, I worked a little bit on air in on air radio. So I've always loved doing voiceover work and radio work. And the idea of creating meditations just kind of came to me one day when I was doing this networking course. And I went, well, what could help people? Because I knew I was practicing meditation to help me be calm and grounded. So, hey, what if I put together a five-minute meditation to help my clients before they walk into an event? That was the Mm -hmm. start of it. And then when I, after pandemic, and I started getting back into teaching gratitude, I created this six-minute gratitude meditation for as part of, I had created a gratitude experience. At the time, everybody, the big rage was everybody was creating challenges, like mm-hmm. Facebook challenges. And I thought it's June, 2020. Everybody is pretty challenged right now. We don't yeah. need another challenge, <laughs> but how about a gratitude experience? And for that week long experience, I created a gratitude meditation that's still available. Like listeners can come get it at, at my website. I love that. And I love this idea of doing the meditation before networking. I'm also, you know, I, I'm an introvert, but people think that I'm not because I think people's interpretation of what an extrovert and introvert is, but I definitely go internally to find energy and love my alone time. But I also am one that intuitively do some breath work and meditate before going into situations where I feel like I need to protect my energy. And mm-hmm. because that's what happens when you call them quiet people or the introverts, right? And so what was the reception for people when they learned that they could, you know, within a couple of minutes, do a meditation or do some grounding exercises that would allow them to feel more successful in those networking events? Yeah, people love it because one, I don't know what it is about my voice and I'm not from an ego place, but people tell me that they can't meditate, but they can when they listen to mine. Some reason it's just puts them in a meditative state. So that's cool. But the other thing about it, and I talk about this all the time now in my programs and in in my presentations and things is there's so many myths and misconceptions around what meditation is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people believe that meditation means you have to clear all the thoughts out of your head so you have no thoughts running through your head and sit for an hour on a mat with cross-legged in complete silence. And that is some people's idea of meditation, but it it is not the only way and Mm -hmm. it's not even the most common way. So the idea that you could spend five minutes just wherever you are focused on your breathing and focusing on listening to my voice and get calm is intriguing to people, I think. So I think that's what all of those factors drew them into this meditation. Oh my gosh, for sure. And I think that people have become very unfamiliar with rest and with sitting quietly. And I know that there have been some studies where people were 
could either sit quietly for 15 minutes or they could get zapped, you know, and shocked. And some people chose to get zapped instead because it is uncomfortable and it's unfamiliar because we are overly stimulated. So the idea maybe, like you said, if people think that meditation is having to quiet the mind, they feel defeated before they even begin. But, you know, like you said, it really could be a mindfulness meditation, just focused in on breath, maybe focusing in on some tactile things, some body awareness. There's so many different types of meditation. What is your personal practice? Like, what do you like to do in terms of meditation yourself? My meditation practice now is first thing in the morning before Mm -hmm. I get started in my day. I do typically a guided meditation. Sometimes I'll just put on meditative music and just... And I do it lying down. Again, like another thing, people are like, oh, I could do it lying down. Yeah, you could do it standing, lying down, walking, like again, whatever works for you. So, but I get, I do it every day before I get started in my day. And at this point, I've been doing it for several years. It feels uncomfortable if I don't do a meditation. It's almost like walking, leaving the house without brushing your teeth. It feels weird. Oh, so true. I always say I notice and those nearest and dearest to me also notice if I (laughs) miss my meditation because I, I, I feel like I haven't quite connected with myself. I call my meditation, my date with the divine. It's Mm -hmm. just a time I look forward to every morning and it's such a personal experience and I look forward to it. It definitely has become something that is such a part of my everyday morning routine that I can't even imagine ever giving it up. I, I can't imagine why I ever would. Yeah. Right. Amazing. And a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of my clients and a lot of people I've talked to feel the same way. Once you get into the practice, right. it's a challenge for a lot of people in getting into it for the reasons that you said, like just getting quiet enough to yeah. hear your own inner voice. And that doesn't mean shutting off all the thoughts because that's actually part of the process of meditating that a lot of people don't realize is right. having those thoughts running through your head and catching yourself, noticing the thoughts. And going, oh, wait, come back to breathing. Come back to sound of meditation teachers. Every time you bring yourself back, that is improving your focus for when you are outside of a meditation. That's right. And for me too, I think the interesting part of meditation is you are the observer of your thoughts. So Mm -hmm. it reminds me of like, oh, that's the ego speaking. That is, you know, not me. That is not the essence. That is not the self with a capital S or spirit. That is something else. And then you can question whether the things that you're hearing are actually true. And so it's it's been amazing and life-changing for sure. Yes. And I think one of the other reasons that people feel uncomfortable, and you mentioned earlier, it's unfamiliar, which is why it's uncomfortable. Right. Getting quiet enough to hear your own inner voice is because you will start to hear things that it's And when we say inner voice, it's like your intuition or that voice that only you can hear because we're so used to hearing so many outside voices, especially now, Mm -hmm. social media, traditional media, family, friends, community, everybody's trying to tell you what they want you to think and what they want you to believe. This is the opportunity to get quiet enough to hear what, what is your own inner voice saying. And when you do that, a lot of times you hear things that you might not want to admit that you're hearing or you're getting messages. You're like, what? I'm supposed to do what? I'm supposed to what? Quit my job? (laughs) I can't do that. That's, that's crazy talk. 
I have mm-hmm. a family to support or I have a mortgage to pay or whatever it is. You hear things that sound crazy that you don't want to don't want to hear. So that's why a lot of people don't like to go there. <laughs> yeah. And people have that awareness. Like I know for some clients who are very, and I use meditation as part of my coaching program as well. For clients who meditate, I find that they are able to go through their transformation journey quicker. They have more sustainable results. They definitely are able to get into a really good mindfulness practice. But many will say, I don't want to meditate because I'm scared to see or to listen to what the voices say. So I get that. And so timing is very important to be able to introduce a practice like that when you're able to fully receive it and to accept it. Yes. Yes. And if if someone truly wants to find joy and happiness and fulfillment in their life, they will take the risk to do it. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. So tell me when you started your podcast. I listened to the one, the last one of 2022 this morning on my morning walk. And I loved you had some tips on things that people can do this year to make it a successful year. I did something very similar, which is funny. And I love this notion of questioning whether resolutions are things that people will continue to do, or if there is are more productive questions and reflections that we can do as we prepare for the new year. But tell me a little bit more about why you wanted to start a podcast and what your experience has been with your podcast. I started a podcast because, as I mentioned, I was a broadcast major and I never really yeah. got to do that. I actually changed my major before I graduated because a professional in the industry said, well, you're to start your career, you're going to have to go to the middle of Iowa and work overnights for $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. I went to school here in the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., and I thought, well, I am certainly not going to the middle of Iowa. <laughs> and $10 an hour, even back then, was a pittance. So I was like, maybe I'll change my major. So I changed to public relations. But I always had that love of broadcast. And so I I did get to do it when I was, like I I mentioned, when I was living in South Florida, I did get to do on-air radio for working overnights for $10 an hour. Many. (laughs) So I got to do it. But starting the podcast was my opportunity to do my show. Like I didn't have to wait for somebody to hire me. Mm -hmm. And I got to structure it the way I wanted to. And it took me several years to start a podcast because I, I kept trying to figure out, well, what am I going to talk about? What can I contribute to this world of, there's thousands and thousands of podcasts. What do I have to contribute? And that wasn't like a, w- a way of putting myself down like, oh, I have nothing to say. I was looking for a way to create a show that I would want to listen to and that would be worthwhile for my listeners. And so I finally came up with this idea. My show is called Fine is a Four-Letter Word, and it goes <laughs> along with the whole program of you know, getting to this place of fine is not fine. So mm-hmm. the theme of it is I'll, most of my shows are interviews, although the one you listen to is a solo right. episode. It, talking with people who said everything was fine mm-hmm. when it really wasn't fine at all. And how did they move from that place to where they are now? Yeah. Oh, I love that. It very similar. Like I love talking to like-minded folks like you. And so what are some of the themes, the things that people talked about 
what did they need to overcome to move from that place of being fine, you know, barely surviving to maybe thriving in their life? Like, what are some of the things that, because you've had, I think like 38 episodes now, if I remember correctly. Well, right. 38 episodes in season two and 36 episodes in season one. So I'm now starting, yeah, this week we'll start season three. So there've been more than 72 episodes. Yeah. You know, one of the things that surprised me the most is how many people talk about not being allowed to have emotions, not realizing that they even had emotions, that they were raised in families that did not express emotions, did not allow emotion. And so those, all of those things were stuffed down for years until, and one of my guests gave this analogy, and I love it, like, a, like holding a beach ball underwater, you can only do that for so long until it pops up yeah. and hits you in the face. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, so that idea of not expressing emotions was pretty common, but the places where people were fine is all over the, all over the board, fine in jobs. And a lot of people, I'm thinking of one guest in particular who had been at her job for 20 years. She knew she was hearing the voice. She just was ignoring it, that it was time for her to leave. And she finally got fired. Wow. So the universe stepped up and went, yeah. I've been telling you, you haven't taken action. Now I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. She kept saying everything was fine and she knew it wasn't. Health issues where people, again, have ignored the signs or not paid attention to things and then health issues surfaced to force them to take a look at where they were in their life. Relationships. I mean, it just is all over the place. That's why it's so interesting about it, how many different stories people have. So true. And this idea of the universe sometimes stepping in and helping us out, I, I, I've seen it and I believe it. Like we get signals and we, we see signs and we might even be nudged, nudged, nudged. And, you know, after a while, if we don't pay attention, we'll be a little bit more severe, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the sometimes a diagnosis or maybe, you know, the job or there could be some breakdown in communication or relationship or something else that forces us to say, wait a second. It's like a jolt, right? Like jolts yeah. you out of whatever trance we're in and sort of makes you realize like, oh, wait, this is my life and I get to change and make different choices. So as you're working with clients that are looking to say, you know what, I know I've said I'm fine, but I'm really not. Like, what are some of the things that you feel like people beyond the emotion, learning how to express their emotion, leaning to connect to it? What are some other things that you've been able to do with your clients to really help them to reimagine what it could look like to love their life, to live Mm. more joyfully, to live more intentionally? Yeah, two things. One, I'm thinking immediately of going back to that concept of gratitude and teaching people some tools and techniques for seeing gratitude, seeing all the gratitude in their life. Because as a species, we are somehow now wired to complain and criticize as much Mm -hmm. as possible and not see the places where we can be grateful. And that's not to say let's have some toxic positivity and just make everything rose-colored glasses, there's nothing wrong or there's no room for feeling sadness, anger, resentment. Those are human emotions. And again, feel all the emotions. 
at the same time, where can you find gratitude instead of replacing the complaining and criticizing with gratitude? Yeah. So that's the one thing. And then the second part is I'm now developing more and more into my program, this, I guess it's kind of a secondary program called Living the Sabbatical Life and how to live a sabbatical life, which involves recharging yourself on a regular basis. Because we have been taught since a very young age that in order to succeed, you have to work hard. Right. And hard work, put your head down, keep going. You want to have fun? You want to take a break? You do that after. The work Mm -hmm. is done. But the work is never done. And what I've found now and what I'm teaching my clients is that recharging, relaxing, having fun in life is required for success in whatever your definition of success is. It can, it's not an afterthought. It's actually an integral part of it. We have it wrong. We've been lied to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so true. I, I, I really believe in, in the, the rest and the recharge and the renewal you know, of mental, physical, spiritual, all of it. So what are some of the things that you do personally for your own recharge and, and renewal practices? Yeah. Well, last year I was looking back at the end of 2022 at my calendar because I wanted to really recapture all of the places and the things that happened that I could celebrate, which is first mm-hmm. of all, a new, somewhat new thing for me. And now yeah. and something that I teach my clients as well is celebrate every win. Again, we tend to minimize, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's right. yeah, everybody does that. Like now celebrate Because the more you celebrate your wins, the more wins you get to celebrate. And so I'm looking back at my calendar and I'm looking at all the stuff I had packed into it. And I'm like, I'm tired looking at this. I got it all color coordinated and everything. And I'm like, how was I doing all of this? And so it's no wonder that I got to June and I was like, I was completely burned out. And the Mm -hmm. irony is I'm teaching people how to live in gratitude and, and use meditation and stay calm and grounded. And I was losing my connection to all Mm -hmm. of that. I was like, I'm not having any fun. I'm not achieving the level of success I'd like to. I'm working all the time doing all the things because my, my solution to not reaching the level of success I wanted to doing all the things was to do all the things more, do them. (laughs) more of them. Yeah. (laughs) What's not working? Do more of that. Maybe it'll work now. So I got to, I I got to July and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. And I ended up taking a month long road trip sabbatical for the month of August with my 19 year old cat. (laughs) It's a great story. I actually contributed a chapter to a book called Love Warriors. It was just published at the beginning of January. And awesome. that chapter is called Fine is a Four-Letter Word. And it's the whole story <laughs> of my month-long sabbatical with Panther. So what were some of the highlights of your sabbatical? Uh, not working. Yeah. I just let go of everything. And I cleared my calendar. And I went and visited friends and went to the beach and just allowed myself to have fun, to go paddle boarding, to play pickleball for the first time, took a lesson, go to great restaurants. I visited my dad in South Florida and then went over to the Gulf Coast of, of South 
Gulf Coast of Florida to Anna Maria Island, which I fell in love with and sat on the beach. And the interesting thing that happened was two of the biggest business opportunities ever mm-hmm. came to me while I wasn't working. Of course they did. Yes. <laughs> right. Of so we know this. Did. We know this intellectually, like we teach it. But now I was like, oh, I'm getting it. It's actually happening. Letting go actually gives you space to allow ease and flow. This is, again, the irony. My word, my phrase for last, for 2022 was ease and flow and fun. And I went an entire half of the year not not allowing and doing any of that. Yeah. But that was the lesson that I learned. That Again, this is crucial to success or to my definition of success anyway. Absolutely. Oh, congratulations for being able to do it because I think when I used to, I was in the corporate world for 25 years and I always used to think it was amazing for people that could take sabbaticals. And now as an entrepreneur, I haven't taken a month long sabbatical because there are still, there's still residual conditioning mm-hmm. from the fact that we feel like we need to work hard and we have to be conscientious and responsible. And especially when we serve others, there's a level of responsibility for being available and being able to help people that need it. So what were some of the maybe fears or limiting beliefs or stories that maybe you thought of? Obviously you went on your sabbatical anyway, but things that you were worried about when you finally were like, could I really do this? (laughs) Yeah. Well, because I have all of this conditioning. I'm a firstborn. I'm a Capricorn. So it's hard work, hard work, hard work. Well, okay. What's going to happen if I just don't work? Like, how do you not work? How do you not be productive in achieving things every minute of every day? Yeah. Then who am I? And it was a, a lesson in learning that your worth is not tied to your achievement and productivity. Mm hmm. And how am I going to afford this? Cause I'm not independently wealthy. And how am I going to afford this? And part of the reason Panther had to come with me was because, okay, well, what am I going to do with the cat for the month? She's She was 19 years old and she required sub-Q fluids for kidney disease every twice a, twice a week. So mm. what am I going to do with her? And like, I, I'm just going to up and leave? Like, what about, what about my podcast? Well, you know what? I put it on hiatus for a month and nobody died. Like from not listening to the podcast, there were plenty of previous episodes for people to listen to. You know, are people going to miss me? Like what's going to happen in the, if I don't post on social media, right? I will become invisible. Didn't happen. I love that. And I love that those are definitely the things that would have been going through my head as well as, you know, the financial scarcity tied to people. Do I need to continue to post and to be visible, what would happen? Am I missing business opportunities? And and I love that one that you started off with, like, who am I? Who is, you know, because productivity is so tied to our identity and mm-hmm. working hard and being conscientious and, and all of those things, the achieving piece. So are you going to make this a tradition? Like, do you plan to do another sabbatical? Maybe it's not a month, but is this something that you plan to do more often? I would love to do it more often. I actually have plans to create a retreat for mm-hmm. clients who are then getting started in the Living a Sabbatical Life program. And part of what I 
teach in that program is you don't necessarily have to go on a month-long sabbatical or some people I talk to have taken year-long sabbatical. You don't necessarily have to do that to live the sabbatical life. Yeah. There's a way to live in your daily life where you're not pushing so hard every minute and working 15 hours a day so that you fall into bed and come back the next morning, not recharged. So you're never refocused. It's about finding balance isn't the right word, but finding the right sense of integration Mm -hmm. so that you can do your work and then go recharge. And when we say recharge, like I've started indoor rock climbing, which I love because it's one of the only places that when you are on the wall, there are no other thoughts in your head other than how do I get to the next hold? I could see that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's about replacing that time that it's easy to just sit on the computer and go, well, let me just, just send a couple more emails. But you have to put other things into it, even if it's you know, go take a walk, like putting that into the calendar and making yourself get up and go do it. Even if it's, you know, reading, it's going to sound like people feel, some people feel constrained by scheduling everything. But if you don't schedule in the recharging time, it's too easy to just pave right over it. Honestly, that has been a challenge for me since I got back is, is not falling back into that same old trap and habits. Yeah. Well, just like in meditation, we tend to have repeat thoughts that keep coming up. And in life, as we're living it, we have repeat behaviors, things that we've been conditioned and recognizing it, the awareness, and then moving on and choosing differently. It's such a gift. We can choose differently in every single moment, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You don't have to wait until the first of the year. Every moment you can make a new choice and start again. Exactly. Well, Lori, I ask all of my guests a question about the title of my podcast, which is Live the Width of Your Life. And it comes from a Diane Ackerman quote that talks about not living just the length of it, but also at the end of a life, recognizing that we've lived the width of it, the depth, the breadth of our life. So what does it mean to you to live the width of your life? To have a lot of different experiences and to enjoy you know, to find the joy and not just, as we've been talking about, not just doing all the things and being productive, but finding the joy and allowing the joy of all kinds of different experiences. That's beautiful. So beautiful. I want to applaud you for all the amazing work that you're doing in the world, helping people move from fine to a place where they are thriving and living lives that they that they love. How can we best support you? Where can we find you and follow you? Yeah, my website is zenrabbit.com, and that is likely the best place to find me. I'm also on LinkedIn. I spend a, well, a little bit less significant amount of time on LinkedIn. Podcast again is fine as a four letter word. And yeah, you can, zenrabbit.com is the best place to find all the links to the socials as well. Wonderful. We will include all of these in the show notes. And once again, thank you so much for coming on today, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your experiences and for all of the great work that you're doing in the world. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Anetta. Okay. Have an amazing day. If you enjoyed this episode and want a personalized guide to living the width of your life, I've just released a best-selling book, Live the Width of Your Life, 365 Daily Meditations on Living with Passion, Purpose, and Peace. 
Each daily meditation provides you with a journal prompt or a challenge so you can begin taking daily imperfect action towards the life of your dreams. You can get your copy today on Amazon. The link is in the show notes and I will see you next time.